Our study leader, Dave Wurtson, turns our attention to Proverbs chapter 31 and the classic Hebrew portrait of the ideal wife. Each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the result is the A to Z of what it means to be the ideal woman. Let's join Dave as he reads to us about this incredibly classy person. It says in verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband, and this is the only mention of her husband from the verses that I just shared with you about the husband putting confidence in her. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. In verse 27, it's kind of a summary verse that expresses what he's been talking about. He's been talking about a wise household manager. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And let me just kind of cut a cross section through this and give you a feel for some of the attributes of this woman. First of all, every wife knows, though the husbands don't think about it very much, teenagers think about it a lot. I don't know where that suddenly disappears. Husbands tend not to think of it very much at all. But clothing is important. If you and I came in today, you know, dressed in rags and smelly clothes, it's really not going to go over very well. Clothes are important. You see, the wife normally, man, if it was left up to me, our kids probably wouldn't have any clothes. But this woman is involved. Clothing is going to be a very important thing in this area and also household furnishings. Some of you that when you're in college, you know, your household furnishings was a bed with a white sheet on it with a white, um, you know, one of those white covers that have the balls on it. Anybody, any, any single fellows ever use those? You all know what I'm talking about, right? That's the, the extent of your coverings before you get married. I want you to notice something about this woman. She's very concerned, and girls, when you get married, you might as well just nail it down. Clothing and furnishings from your home is going to be an important area of life. Well, it says in verse 13, she selects woolen flax and works eagerly with her hands. This woman is a very effective buyer. I was raised right near New York City. There's a whole garment district in New York City. My brother-in-law's in woman's apparel right now. My brother-in-law has built his entire life, his whole business is on women's apparel. When I go with him and I'm with him, you know, I look at women's clothes, whether it's Sears or Pennies or, or Macy's, who cares? It's all the same to me, although not really. I'm learning. I'm learning a little bit. Not Gene, man. He's touching this material like this. 
He's going over it. Mary flips it over this way, flips it over this way. I always come back with a garment that's got a big tear right down the middle of the back because I never opened it up and shook it out and looked at it carefully. Some of you husbands are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. This woman's a very effective buyer. She knows material. She knows how to select it. And that's what it's bringing out. She's an effective buyer. Some of you husbands don't realize it, but you've got an unbelievable potential for a good merchant in your home. She knows how to buy. Some of you older men are sitting there shaking your head because you married a woman that you didn't, you know, you didn't even think about those things. But this woman knows how to buy material. Some of you say, well, I don't know how to sew. Well, these days, all you need to do is just have a real sharp eye for sales and you can save as much as you can make sewing. And that's the principle here. This woman realizes that part of her responsibility is the clothing of her household and the household furnishings, and so she's a very effective buyer. She is an excellent seamstress. It says in verse 19, also in verse 13, it says, In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. And then in verse 13 that I just read to you, it says she works with eager hands. The idea of not that she's, oh boy, I want to sew. The idea is that she works creatively with her hands. I want to really share something with you. The idea here is that this woman has real strong desires in her life to do something. To be honest with you, I don't want a quilt. It's not really what turns me on, to be honest with you. I'm just really honest with you. I want to write. I want to study Hebrew and Greek. That's the desires of my heart. I like doing what I'm doing right now. But, you know, I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful for all the creativity in God's family. You know, it really means a lot to me when Linda and all the women got together and gave a tremendous gift of love. Do you realize that when life is all over, that's what you remember? I've been around death a lot. You don't remember when someone dies all the messages that I gave you. You don't remember all the things like that, all the books that I might have written or articles that I wrote. You remember the little things. I've been amazed at how human beings are that way. You remember those little things like when a church family captured an idea. Here's a woman that would like to learn a skill that we have here in Midlothian. They have it in Amish country, but man, we've got it right here in Midlothian. And what was happening, the quill is bringing out what it means that this woman worked with delight with her hands. Nani's fingers were unbelievably creative. Mary's like that. Mary can take a piece of material and she sees in it what she can do with it. I mean, I could look at that thing from now until the Lord comes back and nothing at all would happen to it. But Mary can look at raw materials. And a lot of you ladies can do that. Some of you men can do it. You can look at raw material and your heart begins to desire things. You begin to have creative ideas of what could be done with that. And that's the idea. It's not just like a woman who's working on an assembly line. That kind of, of tedious assembly line work is what destroys us. Not that there's not going to be tedium and creativity. But this woman has pleasures in her heart. She has desires in her heart. And it comes out into her hands. Now, I want to make this a bigger principle. Not all of you ladies, some of you ladies are going to be like me. The pleasure of your hands don't come out in quilting. But it does come out in other things. It comes out in other skills, maybe musical skills, maybe artistic skills, maybe advertising skills. I don't know what they might be. But I believe that every one of you ladies have some things in your heart that you really want to do. 
Don't let those things slip by. Some of you ladies are gifted writers. Don't let that time go by. Some of you are gifted to paint, and yet you haven't painted in ages. Don't let that time slip by. The Lord put us on this planet and made us in His image for us to do things with our hands that are the expression of our desires and our heart. You know, you can even praise God that way. You can praise God that way. And that's what this woman is doing. She's not just a tedious, you know, slugging it out through her household tasks. She is very creative. She's an excellent seamstress. She makes clothing for her children, verse 21. It says that when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. And by the way, yes, it does snow in Israel. I was in Jerusalem one time when it was snowing. And then up there in the Galilee region around Mount Hermon, it snows quite a bit. And so this woman has her children properly clothed. She's not afraid. And in the ancient world, it was something you really needed to be afraid of, a lot more than we do, of not having adequate clothing for her children. But because of her skills, her effectiveness as a buyer, her effectiveness as a seamstress, she's clothing her children beautifully, and they're prepared for the cold weather. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. It says in chapter 7 that the immoral woman makes coverings for her bed. Her bed is clothed with beautiful garments from Egypt, and it's used in seduction. One of the tragedies that Satan tries to get us into is that after we're married, we enter into a marriage relationship, any old thing will do. And some of you husbands never put any stress on those things. Your wife wants to buy a new coverlet for your bed. Oh, we don't have the money. You're an idiot. Man, you got money to buy a radio for your car? You buy beeper boxes so you won't get caught by the policeman? Your precious wife just asked you to get a new spread and you hit the fan. You're crazy. You, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest pleasure in life. And you husbands ought to know what I'm talking about. And that's what this husband realized. She makes coverlets for her bed. I told you about what I had on my bed before I got married. Now I live in a home that has those kind of things all over the place. I mean, we've got them by our, by our wood-burning stove. And I didn't think anything about that. I've shared this with you. I, didn't, I used to not think anything about it. Till I went to Pennsylvania and Amish country, and I went into one of those quilting stores, and I just, Mary was busy looking around all the things. I'm much more monetary. I said, how much does this cost? How much does that cost? How much does that cost? How much does that cost? When I got home, I said, Mary, I got a great idea. Let's sell them. <laughs> no, we're not going to sell them. They're part of our family heritage. What I'm saying is that that's what a wife can do for you, husbands. A skillful wife turns an old building even a new building, maybe even just a new apartment or an old apartment, by a very skillful, special touch, she changes a room into a home. She makes a bedroom everything that it ought to be. And that's what this competent, noble wife can do. And every one of you husbands that's married to a good woman knows what I'm talking about. I want you just to stop and think. Aren't you glad when you walk into your home and you look around and you see a lot of the creative things that your wife has done, thank the Lord for that. And don't just thank the invisible God. Thank the gift that you can see that God gave you. I came back from vacation, and I was walking through my house, and I just started looking around. And my whole house is stamped, Mary, creativity. You know, I just take that all for granted. A lot of you husbands take that for granted, too. Please don't. 
She makes coverlets for her bed. Now, lest some of you wives feel guilty about your desire for clothes, if I were to ask you girls, how many of you girls like clothes? A lot of you would raise your hand. A lot of you feel guilty about it because a lot of you have the idea that your Heavenly Father wants you to be clothed in rags. If you are really spiritual, then you'd wear gunny sacks half the time. That's not scriptural. I really believe that. I think what so many times we twist God's word and we make God into something that he's not. You know, I think God appreciates fine clothing. You know, the Lord Jesus probably only had about one garment. But it was so beautiful that soldiers wouldn't tear it. It was said of, S, of, of Dr. Schaefer, the, Dr. Schaefer, the founder of Dallas Seminary, that he, he often told the guys, if you have only one suit, be sure you get a good one. Because at least you'll look good in your one suit. There's a lot of truth in that. It says in this verse that this woman not only makes beautiful coverings for her bed, but it says she is clothed in fine linen and purple. This woman has nice clothes. Now, you might not be able to afford to have a whole lot of them, and obviously we can go way overboard on things like this. And I know some women, you know, that just have closets upon closets of clothes that are never used. And I'd encourage you just to clean all those out and give them to some people because you're going to start in anyway. Some of you have the finances you can do it. At least don't leave those beautiful things in your closet. But I also want you to realize on the other side of the coin, if the Lord's given you a desire, and I believe that every one of you women have that desire to some extent, you want to have nice things. You want to have nice clothes. Maybe we're not going to be able to have a whole lot of them. But based upon God's holy word, as we paint this picture of an ideal noble wife, I want you to realize that the Heavenly Father is not saying it's sinful to have fine linen and beautiful clothes. That's the idea here. This woman is dressed beautifully, not luxuriously, not in an illegitimate way, but in a very tasteful way that was commensurate with her position within the city. So she had clothing for herself, not only clothing for her children, not only furnishings for her home, but also clothing for herself. In another area that we won't have time to develop very much today, she was a very effective buyer in food. She was a disciplined provider. Uh, she's like the merchant ships in verse 14. She brings her food from afar. I've shared this with some of you before, but I have some close friends that make about $150,000, $200,000 a year as chefs. I've got one friend that has a PhD in culinary arts. So any of you, one of you women that scratch your head, I know some of you are doing that now, what are we going to have for lunch? And that's an agonizing question. I just pray that you would realize that the, the, the giving of food and the preparation of food, whether or not the men in your family appreciate it, that's one of the most vital, important areas of life until we go home to be with the Lord. And so be good at it. Become effective at it. This woman effectively plans her menus. She knows what she's going to have, and she knows how to buy it. Now we're going to switch to an area that's really fun. It's, she's competent in business. I think a lot of people feel if you're going to be a born-again, believing wife, what you need to do, the wife just needs to sit home all the time. She needs to take care of the kids. She can watch TV a little bit. She can drink a little bit of coffee. But that's it. That's not what the Bible teaches. And we have to be very careful about this. The Bible really does teach that for both a father and the mother, our children need to be a top priority. That's what love demands. Our children need us. We need to give of ourselves to our children. But in saying that, we need to be careful that we don't go on and to create an artificial command in the Bible that's really not there. 
The Bible's not saying that a woman can never enter the marketplace. And that's very, very important. I was raised in an upper-middle-class situation where a lot of the women didn't have to work. And it was awfully easy for them to say, oh, you know, we're really being biblical, and that's really the will of God. And the truth of the matter is their husbands pulled down, you know, really good-figure salaries. They didn't have to work. They could go and have coffee at about 10 o'clock and just buy some things at a big store. But you know, the truth of the matter is across our land today and really across the world, if I were preaching to a, to a non-American audience, in other words, for example, if I was in Africa, all the women would know exactly what I'm talking about because a lot of the women would work right out in the fields along with their husbands. A lot of you can remember back to days where your mom worked right out in the fields, harvesting with your dad, driving tractors with your dad, really working. What I want to share with you, we have an idea. We've got this ideal time where a husband went away to work and mom stayed home to care of the kids. I want to stress again, don't make decisions based upon selfishness that take away from the needs of your kids because you'll always regret it. What I'm saying is don't make a decision to live in a home instead of an apartment and give up your kids and not adequately meet your needs because it, it'll never be worth it. But I also want to share with you that just like that, they're growing. Life shifts radically. And a lot of you are in that kind of transition. And a lot of times we don't share with people about the, the transitions and the passages that they go through. The truth of the matter is that you're going to give maybe 20 years to raising a family. Then what? You're going to die? No, there's, there might be 30, 40 more years to go. Who knows? I think a lot of times we're putting a heavy burden, sometimes a guilt trip upon women. A woman goes out into the marketplace as a believer, and she feels guilty. What I want you to share is this is the ideal woman, and I think sometimes we should look at Proverbs 31 not as a snapshot in time, but, of, but as of a videotape of a life. We don't have this woman. To be honest with you, this woman is not changing diapers. You say, how do you know that? Because she has many daughters that have done well, and they, they've risen up and praised her. So she's got to be at least older, middle-aged. She's got grown daughters. She has grown sons. And I think a lot of times we forget that. You know, what you're doing when you're getting up four or five times a night taking care of babies is a phase in your life, a very beautiful phase. Don't miss it if the Lord gives you one. Don't run away from it. Enjoy it. But some of you are past that stage, and your kids are in school. And you say, well, what does God want me to do now? Does God not want me to invest? Does God not want me to try to develop my talents? And some of you wise, because of the modern thrust in that area, are going out into that area, but you feel very guilty about it. Now, you need to be very careful about your motives. You need to be very careful about the reasons why you're doing things. But I want you to realize that the scripture doesn't say that a wife can't be involved in business. In fact, look what it says as we look at her competence in this area. Look at verse 16 and 18, Proverbs 16 and 18. She considers a field and she buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. This woman is involved in real estate and viticulture. Now, husband, I want you to look carefully at that. This husband has enough confidence in his wife. He lets her go out and consider a field. Now, it doesn't mean that she didn't ask her husband at all about it. It doesn't mean that they didn't talk about it. But I want you to see that it's her endeavor. 
She goes out, she gets involved in real estate. She sees a field that she thinks could really develop a real good vineyard. And so she buys it with the proceeds that she's had from other businesses. She plants a vineyard and she's able to make a good profit on that. She sees that her living is good. Now that's important. I was with a girl up in Ottawa, Canada, that started working for Century 21. And man, she was blowing and going. Her husband had lost his job and that's how she got started. And she was a very godly woman and she found out she had an unbelievable skill in real estate. She also had her priorities right. She told the company right off the bat, if my kids are sick at school, their kids were all grown, they were in high school, but they said, if a kid gets sick at school, I'm gone. I don't care what the deal is. And she would walk right out. She had done this. A kid would call, I've got to get home, Mom. I'm feeling terrible, I'm running 103 fever. She said, I'll be right there. She'd leave the client right there. Say, I've got to go, my kid's sick. And the Lord blessed her. And the Lord didn't always do this. She did unbelievably well. And she was an example of this kind of thing. She had a talent in real estate. She developed the talent, but she also had the right priorities in her family. What I'm trying to get across today is to give you a little bit of a feel for balance in life. I think a lot of times they believe it, we're not balanced. This husband has confidence that his wife can do very well in business. The scripture's not saying that you women cannot go out there and do well in that area. Some of you husbands are going to have to chew on that a little bit. We need to listen to all the Bible saying. And I need to be sure to teach you what I believe the Bible's saying. And the, as I grow older in the Word, I see a much greater balance in the Word. And maybe even some of the attitudes that I've had are not really biblical. This woman is able to go out and buy real estate. Her husband trusts her to be able to do it. She's also involved in textile. Look at verse 24. She makes linen garments and she sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. This woman has a little business on the side. She makes these sashes. Probably she has some of the girls in her household working on this. And she sells them to the Phoenicians, who were the ones that would go on their ships and sell them. So this woman was very competent in the area of buying and selling and selling clothing and all kinds of things like that. Belts, all that kind of thing. All right, this woman, in closing, is also a competent teacher. I want to say this. Ladies, don't ever buy the idea that you don't need to become a theologian in a good sense of the word. Sometimes ladies will come to me and they'll ask a question and they'll almost imply, you know, I, you don't really need to spend the time to answer this because I'm a woman, but I've got an inquisitive mind. But I'm just a woman, so maybe it doesn't count. Don't you ever do that because I want to share something with every one of you girls. You need to know God's holy word. You need to understand the scripture because there's going to be hundreds of times when your little kids are going to be asking you the questions when your husband's not going to be there. And so I want to challenge you, based upon God's holy word, all of us need to become wise in our teaching. All of us need to know God's word. Yes, the scripture does say that a woman should not exert a teaching authority over a man. But it doesn't say that she shouldn't learn. And it doesn't say there's going to be lots of contexts in life where she's going to need to teach. The mother in Proverbs is a very eminent teacher of her children, so eminent that God chose to include this mother's words in the inspired Holy Word of God. Are women some of the authors of Scripture? Yes, they are. Try King Lemuel's mother. That's very, very important. And once again, there's a balance here. And Satan is always trying to get us to go from one extreme to another 
And what we need to do is to have balance. This woman is very competent in her teaching. Her character, we could bring it all together. She's diligent and disciplined. We need to pray that we'll be diligent and disciplined. I think that's one of the hardest things for us to maintain. I think some of the people that have illustrated this diligence and discipline and strength and optimistic spirit were some of my friends that I was with when the tornado hit, the Criders, Noah and Marion Crider. Marion's house had just had the roof blown off. Three beautiful trees, great big ones like this, blown down the front yard, wires everywhere, a 30-foot barn blown down next to her house. And right away, half an hour after the tornado went through, Marion was out there, not crying, not weeping, but picking things up. And that's just a good Pennsylvania Dutch spirit. But it's a good biblical spirit. You see, we're all going to go through catastrophes in life. We're all going to have unforeseen things happen to you. And it's easy to think, and for me especially, it's easy to say, well, what's the use? You never know when calamity is going to strike. What's the use? Why even try? I want to share with you, Proverbs is teaching. If you're diligent, if you're disciplined, if you're strong, if you have an optimistic spirit, you're not afraid for your household, it's going to be a whole lot better than wringing your hands. In fact, there's tremendous healing for you in doing that. There's tremendous healing in getting out there and trying. Start picking things up if things are a wreck in your life. Order your lives. Get up at a certain time. Don't sleep till 10 o'clock. You're going to have a nervous breakdown if you don't have to get up. And you stay in bed to 11. And life is going to be a, a real bummer if you sleep to 11 and watch soap operas till 5 and then eat supper, you know, go out and get a pizza. You can't live your life like that. You're going to be poor, you're not going to have things that you need, and you're going to get sick and emotionally going to be a basket case. This is just hard-nosed practical teaching. Proverbs is saying, get up. Be strong. And I promise you, like in counseling, I'll comfort you. There's times in life when we're broken, where we need a big hug. But I want to share with you, life is tough. And sometimes what you need is a big kick. And there's a delicate edge in there. There's a very delicate edge that gives you confidence and gives you skill. And if you turn away from it and lose your strength and lose your discipline, then you begin to slip into dependency. An unhealthy spirit. This woman doesn't allow that to happen. She girds her loins with strength. And she's strong. She's disciplined. She's optimistic. Most of all, she's reverent. She's a godly woman. What's that woman going to get? Her husband's going to respect her. Verse 23, it says, Her husband rises up and calls her blessed. She gets praise from her husband, her family, and her community. And she also receives our praise because the Lord inspired her to present the ideals that a woman can seek to fulfill through the spirit of God's strength. Our prayer is that both men and women will begin to build their lives on the enduring truth of God's Word.